Ready for some word today? If you would, get out your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews, chapter 11. If you're new with us and don't know much about the Bible or what a Hebrew is, as they say, that's when the men make coffee, right? <laughs> Some things never get old. Uh, say, well, that one might have gotten old. Yeah. Um, I've been teaching a series uh, for several weeks now called uh, Dedicate. And uh, I want to continue along those lines. If, if you haven't been a part of this, you're, you're kind of coming in a little bit late, but it'll stand alone. And you can get the messages on the website if you want to hear more about the subject. Uh, we started off with 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, it's talking about the, the Macedonian offering. And, and, and one of the things that we highlighted was verse 5 of that chapter, which says, they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to, uh, was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And, uh, and, and so that's our first action then following this model. It doesn't begin with our gifts of, of anything we can produce or materially give to the Lord. It starts with us. It starts inward. And then from there, uh, I, I really believe this. If God has me, he also has everything that I have power of, power of or control of. At least he has access to it. If he doesn't have access to it, I question whether he really has me. Everybody with me? And so, and so that's why when we talk about a dedication, it starts with our own lives. And then from there, um, what we want to do and what we're endeavoring to do is, is do what we do in a right, proper, acceptable manner. All right? The last couple of weeks, I've been teaching about uh, what I call how to give an offering or how to dedicate something uh, to the Lord. In other words, there's a right way and a wrong way to do this. And, and my, my emphasis is this, if we're going to do it, let's do it right, okay? I, I'm aware that some might not be doers of that, and it's not really my intention to try to convince you to do anything. I'm never, I am never, for anyone who might be new to our church, I am never up here trying to get you to give your money to our church, that is never our motive. We're not asking you for anything. I am addressing, in particular in this uh, part of this series, those who are already in that vein. We've already decided we're going to be like our Father, and we're going to be generous, and we're going to be givers uh, to the kingdom, to other people. However he directs us, we're going to be that. And if we have already crossed that hurdle, so to speak, the hurdle of not, of not living just for myself, um, then, I'll, then we want to know well, what's the proper way to do that. If I'm going to do it anyway, I want to make sure I'm doing it right. I want to make sure I'm doing it in a manner that's acceptable and in a manner that, that uh, produces in me or back to me what God intends. And so uh, some of the things we've said so far, number one is we said that if we're going to give, we have to give with no strings attached. All right. If, it's, if there are strings or conditions or 
or somebody owes us something back, whether it's you know, return of the same or some type of control or influence or even gratitude that, that, we're, that we're expecting back, well, then that would be a purchase. Okay, it's not a gift, it's a purchase. You can do purchases. <laughs> you can do loans if you want, but giving should stand as its own unique thing. And if I am giving to you, then once I give it to you, I let go, I walk away, and you do whatever you want with it. If you do the wrong thing with it, that's not, a, that's not my business anymore. If it is, if I, if I come back and say, well, if I'd have known that's what you were gonna do, well, then I just removed the power of the gift. Okay, and it became something other than what I'm calling it. So if it's really gonna be a dedication of, a, of, a, of something, then it really is um, living on its own without any conditions involved. And then secondly, we said that if we're gonna give to the Lord, especially, we want to give our best, all right? We want to give our best. It's, in other words, it's a matter of honor, and therefore, I'm not going to uh, give my leftovers. I'm not going to act like what I'm giving to him is some kind of big deal when I don't really give a rip, right? When I don't care about it, it's not important to me. It's just, I'm not gonna notice whether I have this or not, so I'll give it to God. Well, you might as well keep it, okay? Because that type of, because the thing in itself isn't of huge value to the Lord. It is what that thing means to you that becomes worship or, or valuable to God. So when I'm, if I'm going to give, I want to give something that counts, that matters, that, that is valuable to me, then it, it is valuable. It means something to the Lord. Praise God. All right. And then number three, I want to give to you today. This was also tied into, uh, we studied Cain and Abel's offering in Genesis and this is tied to Abel's offering, and that is whatever we do, we do by faith, okay? We give by faith. Now, that's a statement you probably have heard me say frequently uh, around surrounding giving and offerings and such. I say, let's do this by faith today, but I don't always go into great explanation, so I wanna go a little bit deeper into what that means, and then we can see if we're doing it right, okay? Now, you're there in Hebrews 11, and so notice the fourth verse. It reads, by faith, Abel offered. By faith, he offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead still speaks. So one of the things that made Abel's offering superior to Cain's is that he, he did it by faith. Faith is what made it better. Faith is what made it superior. Faith, is what, faith was the difference between him and his brother's offering, okay? By saying Abel gave an offering by faith and contrasting that with Cain's, you could, in essence, insert there that Cain gave his offering without faith. So think about that, that possibility, you could do something and no faith involved. You could do something to God, for God, for a good purpose, no faith involved. And the Lord looks at it and says, I don't, I don't want that. You can keep that. Yeah. Why? What's wrong with that, Lord? There's no faith involved in that. That's right. Ooh. Come on. See, when we say that, now how many times do we, are we in our minds thinking, yeah, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> 
I'm not sure how to do that. Well, that's why we're teaching this. And that's why we can go over this and, and, and make sure that we are doing something that God is happy about. But faith makes giving better. You can see that in this verse. Faith makes giving righteous. I don't want to give unrighteous money. <laughs> well, and you want to understand it's unrighteous mammon sometimes referred to in the scripture, but I, I don't want to do so in a way that is not right, that is not pleasing to God. In fact, if you, if you know Hebrews 11, two verses later, for without faith, it is impossible to please him, as it says on the screen right there. Verse six. See? My prophet gift is working. <laughs> see, and that's, see, that's said right after teaching about Abel's offering that was done by faith. He said, you can't please God without faith. So are, are you saying God wouldn't be pleased if I give like half of my income? No, he wouldn't be pleased with that. Not if it wasn't done by faith. See, he's not impressed with things that might impress us. We might be able to dazzle some people around us. And, hey, did you see the number of zeros on my gift? With God, it's, a, it's, a, it's faith that makes the difference. Okay, and so that's what I want to see. I want to see how I can do these things in a manner that's pleasing to him. Abel pleased him. Cain didn't please him in what he did. And faith made the difference. Now, if, you, uh, if you're familiar at all with Hebrews chapter four, there's a, a, a great verse in there, not going through the context of, the, of, those, of what it's saying, but verse two reads, for indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them. Why? 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 Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So, so notice, the word, the word by itself is profitable. It's beneficial. It, is, it has saving power in it. The word itself will deliver, will heal, will save, will change a life. But he said, those who heard it didn't profit from it. Isn't that an interesting thought? You got something that's inherently profitable, but some can hear it and not profit by hearing it. Right? Okay, does that ever happen like in here? Could we give a word, a word from God that is powerful, you know, profitable, beneficial to all of us and some profit from it and others, it's as if it never happened. Entirely possible. What would be the difference? It's the mixture, the faith mixture. You've got to add the active ingredient. You've got to add faith to this thing, then stir it up. Come on. Then that word went from inherently powerful but dead to me to inherently powerful and alive and effectual and, and, and life transformative in me. And so that's, what I want. that's why we could say, and you'll understand this more and more as we go, we should come to church by faith. We should listen by faith. Not only should we offer things to the Lord by faith. Okay, that's the component that, it's the God component. It's the thing that he likes. It's the way that he is. It's the thing that pleases him. He said, put that in everything you do for me. In everything you do, in everything you receive from me, in every prayer you pray, in every song you sing, in every act that act of service towards me, put faith in there. And that's what will make the difference. Hallelujah. Yeah. Okay, now I'm going to circle back around to that in a few minutes. 
and, and, and explain that in more detail, and you'll be excited about it when I do. Okay? If you would, to, turn to Ephesians. So just a short left turn there from Hebrews. Ephesians chapter 2. If you've studied the Bible much, you, you, you probably know these verses pretty well. Uh, but if not, that's okay. Ephesians chapter ch- chapter 2. See, why we do what we do makes the difference in whether it is pleasing to God and beneficial to us. Okay, I understand what I'm saying. You could do something that that act by itself is a good thing, but you could do so, that good thing, in a manner that doesn't please God and doesn't help you. Say, that doesn't make sense. If it's good, doesn't it just automatically please God and help me? It doesn't. It could be for the wrong reason. And you'll find that in spiritual matters in the kingdom of God, the order in which things are placed can totally change the meaning and the effectiveness of what they produce. You'll understand when we read Ephesians chapter 2 right here. See, uh, verse 8, Ephesians 2, 8, it reads, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, how many know that it doesn't say by grace you have been saved, period? In other words, that's the idea that everything's all God. Well, everything good, that's all God. Well, that's only a partial understanding. God is the giver. He's the provider. He's the one that, uh, you know, gives things to us that we don't earn or deserve. But faith is still necessary. For by, by grace you have been saved through faith. What if God just gives grace? I'm lost. What if I just have faith? Faith in what? He has to be the giver of grace. I have to have faith to believe in that grace. Either one of those components missing leaves me lost. Obviously, I can't save myself because I would have faith in nothing. But if God gives grace, now there is a responsibility on my part to believe in that grace. That grace does not become operative in my life just because God is God and and he loves me and and he's a giver of good gifts. He's a giver of good gifts, but who's the receiver of those good gifts? There is the giving side and the receiving side, and and this cooperation, this partnership is always important, all right? Uh, Going on here, verse 9, well, let me finish verse 8. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so notice, notice those first three words in verse nine, which read, not of works. And then we come over to verse 10, for good works. Everybody say it out loud. Say, not of works, works. for good works. works. Okay, we're not saved of good works, but we are saved for good works. Does that order make any difference at all. It's the game changer. You flip those around and then you've got, you've got every religious system on the planet trying to earn, people trying to earn their way to God. In other words, I'm trying to, for, uh, by good works, get, gain God's acceptance and entrance into heaven, and that never works. It's the complete opposite of God's pathway to, to a relationship with him. 
So it is not by works. In other words, not by what I do. But now that I've received, it is for good works. It produces good actions in us. Amen, amen. By the way, that huge difference makes a difference in heaven or hell. That's how, that's how serious the consequence of just a couple words in these verses. Okay, I'm not working unto, but I am working because of. I'm not trying to get God to save me or love me or forgive me, but I am going to serve him because he has loved me and saved me and forgiven me. Amen. And that, that difference is so huge. Okay. And, but that principle then extends out to other things uh, that God does and how he works in our lives. It starts with him and then we respond to it. Jesus said, no one comes to, my comes to me except my father draws him. Someone said, why, why did you get saved or how did you come to the Lord? Well, I just decided one day. Or I just, you know, I just figured out that I this and this and this and I, then I, I got saved. Well, that's a, an earthly and surface view because you're missing out the major component. And this is something that we, through, through learning, we come to realize I didn't just decide to get saved. I come to find out he was working on me and, and it was his grace drawing me. And then one day I said, yes, I want that. I had a choice, but he was working on me first. All right, here's, here, here's what, what 1 John 4, 19 reads. It says, we love him because he first loved us. Well, I was just, I just love the Lord so much. Why do you love him? Oh, because he's just so nice. I mean, <laughs> because no, you love him because he went first. That's true. There are people today that don't love him yet, but he's still going first in their life. He loves them even before they know it. But watch, let, let me, if I could just kind of add something to the scripture here and you can judge if you see if this is okay. But we love him because he first loved us. Then I would add, and we believe it. Let, let me explain. I, I'm not actually adding to the scripture, really explaining it. God loves people. They don't love him back. Some don't. You know why they don't? One, one big reason is because they don't know he loves them. Or we could say they don't believe that he loves them. Therefore, they do not have the response of love back. Yeah. And so knowing God's first step, knowing the why, knowing that I'm doing what I'm doing because God did something first, revealed, he acted, that makes all the difference in my response being acceptable, being correct, being righteous. Why are you doing what you're doing? Because God, and then fill in the blank. Okay, okay why, why are you coming to church today? Okay, there could be a lot of answers to that. I was forced, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's called arm twisting. Someone paid me off. They had promised to buy me lunch or whatever. Okay, hopefully most of us move on from those reasons, you know. If you're here for that, good for you. I'm glad you're here. Uh, but eventually, I want to be able to say, I came to church because God, and then fill in the blank. I, have to, I need a reason for it. I need a God reason. If it's a God reason, there's faith in it. 
Okay, I'm going to, why, why do we love? Why should we love and treat other people right and forgive and do all these things and, and never harm anyone or talk about them or hurt them in any way? Well, because the Lord loved me, he forgave me. I have a reason for acting right because he acted towards me in a manner that I didn't even deserve. But he went first, okay? The, the oldest manuscripts of this verse, 1 John 4, 19, uh, they, it omits the word him. That's why some translations, they'll insert others. You know, we love others. I, I personally, if I, if, since it's not there in the original language, I would say it's probably referring to both. Meaning, meaning we love him and each other and others because he first loved us. How many know if you want to fix your love life, <laughs> what I mean by that is your love towards others, the starting point is not just in focusing on your behavior. The starting point, you take a step back from that, it is focusing on God's love for me. In other words, many times people will struggle in to be consistent in their love towards others because deeply rooted in them, they don't feel loved by God. They don't believe that they are loved or lovable. They, they don't feel like they are in God's favor, okay? Another way to say it is faith in God's love precedes our loving actions for other people. We love because he first loved. And I know about it. I believe it, okay? Uh, people who are unkind to others probably don't believe they are loved. Might help you to give them a break or at least be merciful when someone's unkind towards you. You, you have an insight into what's happening inwardly in them. They've got some deficiencies in believing in God's love. And if it's you, that's where we take a, we take a swim in the love of God. Yeah. As strange as that, that sounds, find scriptures about God loving us and, and read them and think about them and say them out loud every day until you start having some confidence and, and, and no more fear about everyone and what they think of you and everyone judging you and all this kind of stuff. Get just saturated in the love of God. From that point, now you're more equipped. You're in a better position to forgive, to love, to be kind, to be gentle. Amen. Instead of being angry. Hallelujah. Here's my point in bringing some of these things out. Uh, it's just to show the pattern. The way that, that we do things acceptable to God is he goes first and I'm doing what I'm doing based on him, based on what he said and what he did. When I know that, I act because of it. Jesus told his disciples, freely you have received, freely give. In other words, if you don't have anything, what, do you, what can you give? If I don't have anything from the Lord, I don't have anything to give. So what do I, where do I need to start? I need to find out what I have from God. Find out what, what he's given me. If he needs to give me more, then he'll give me more. Then I have more that I can give. As opposed to, I'm trying to give out of an empty well. Yeah. I'm trying to serve, but I don't have anything in me. You, you, maybe you've heard this illustration before when it comes to uh, husbands and wives um, in their, their relational bank account. 
How a lot of times people, like a husband or wife, they're never making any deposits, but they're always making withdrawals. It's like, it's like you keep making demands, but you're never putting anything in. And over time, people feel worn out and depleted and, and you're taken from, you know. So we want, to, we want to, for ourselves, make sure that from the Lord, we stay full. Full of the knowledge of his will. Full of his, uh, an awareness and a belief in his love. This makes all the difference. Okay, now, now back, to, back, to the, back to faith. Uh, faith made Abel's offering acceptable. Okay, now think about how that works. He could not have done what he did. Remember, he brought the firstborn of his flock. He brought something that was precious to him, something valuable to his flock business, his shepherding. He gave it to the Lord. He could not have done that without God revealing something about giving to him. Otherwise, he couldn't have done it by faith. In other words, he would have been guessing. I think the Lord might like one of these. I don't know, though. I mean, I don't really know how these, offerings thing, these offering things work, these sacrifices. Does the Lord even like this? And what does he care which one I use? See, he wasn't doing that. That reveals God showed him. He sought the Lord. He inquired of the Lord. There was some kind of communication from God to Abel so that Abel could do what he did with a good foundation. The foundation was knowing what God likes, knowing God's will, knowing what pleases him. He found the will of God and then acted on it. Again, if, that, if, that's, if, I, if you think I'm reading between the lines, how else did he do it by faith? How else could he be, have a firm conviction that what he was doing was pleasing, it was right, and that it would be accepted by the Lord? And this also would be our, our same pattern. And there you can see where there's a connection between giving your best and giving in faith. He knew God wanted something that was valuable to him. That's why it was received uh, as a gift of faith. So for us, here's a question. Are we trying to impress God with our gifts or impress God with our faith? Is God, is God pleased with the biggest gift or is God pleased with the biggest faith? Now, in some situations, they're connected, but that's an individual thing. Is what I'm giving a faith act or am I just throwing something in? Hallelujah. Amen. And so why do people not give or why do they not give acceptably? Because both happen. You got your nons, you've got your givers, and you've got your acceptable givers. Why, could, why would people live in the category of not doing it or not doing it well, not doing it in an, in an excellent fashion, Okay. And I can see multiple reasons. Think about some of these with me. Sometimes people um, give, they give, or you could say they don't give or they give in, in an unacceptable manner. They give because of fear of the curse. They have fear of the curse. Here, and they may, may, not, may not articulate it that way, but the curse as described in the Bible is something that takes away from you. It's something that, that causes you to work hard and gain little. The curse means you're always coming up short. The curse will put you in debt. The curse will, will 
you know, you'll, you'll buy your home and the value goes down. You buy a car and it breaks down. You know, you work hard at your job year after year and you know, there's never any increase or promotion. You're just never getting ahead. That's the curse is holding people down and keeping people with lack. The blessing works the opposite way. Everything you put your hand to prospers. The blessing works the opposite way. There's something extra on me. It's like things work, okay? And so if someone is afraid of debt, I'm not gonna have enough. Every time there's talk about the economy going south or interest rates going up or just crazy inflation that our, our government has provided us. <laughs> uh, every, t- every time we hear about that, there's a little bit of fear. Like, ah, ooh, man, I don't know. We're going to be okay. This is going to be hard. See, that's, that's the curse working. And if I have faith in that, if I, if I, faith meaning fear of it is faith in it, if I have faith in that, then it's going to either cause me to hold back or to give, you know, a Cain-esque offering. I'll just give what I have. I'll give this. It not, might not be my best, but, you know, we're in tough times. And certainly you understand when there's tough times, you've got to hold back a little bit, right? Well, it depends what you believe. Come on, come on. Okay? If I believe in the curse, Absolutely. But if I believe that you can't curse what God has blessed, then it's a different mentality. Sometimes people give because others expect them to. And I'm saying this is another, you know, not a good motive. They give because others think they ought to, and they know this person expects me to do this. They, they know they might be asking me if I do. Others give because of guilt. If I don't, I'm going to feel guilty. I'm going to feel bad, like a bad person if I don't do this. So I'll do it even though I don't really want to. It's just not, doesn't have a good foundation. I'm trying to do it to avoid the, these, these wrong feelings. On a positive side, but not necessarily the best, someone could give just because they're helping. That's still a positive. That's not a negative motivation. I'm helping. I have the ability to help you, so I want to do that. Or they could give because of the cause. They might say, this is a good cause. I want to be a part of this. But, but there are some, there's something that goes beyond all of these. And you know what it is, because it's what we're talking about. We give by faith. What is that? It is, it is I'm doing what I'm doing because I believe, believe that God wants me to do it. All right? Why should I give? Why should I be generous? Because I'm convinced that God wants me to. I'm doing this. I think he's pleased with me if I'll do this. He wants me to do it. That's why I'm going to. See, that's really simple. I know, but that's faith right there. How many people are doing stuff and they're not sure if God wants them to do it? They're guessing. Or they're moved by other motives. But if I become convinced through the word of God that the Lord wants me to do what I'm doing here today, oh, I'm doing it by faith. So, so what does that, let me, let me go further and then back up. Another part, another way to do something by faith is I have found something God said about meeting my needs or providing my wants and desires in life, and I believe what he promised, okay? This is one, 
It's not just he wants me to do it, but he has set up a system that helps me to live my life and be a blessing throughout my life, and it's called giving and receiving, so I'm going to do it based on that revelation. This is, this is where I think it would be very helpful for individual givers, whenever you're giving, especially if you're doing so in, in a church or for a ministry, that, that, that you offer prayers to God that contain the faith that you're acting on, all right? In other words, it could be something like, Father, I'm doing this today. I'm bringing this before, before you. I'm bringing my tithe because you said in Malachi 3.10 that I should bring it into the storehouse. So I know you want me to do this, so I'm doing this. Okay, you just did it in a pleasing way. You brought his word to him. You said that we should honor the Lord with our first fruits, first fruits of all of our increase. Lord, you said this would honor you, so I'm bringing you my first. I'm honoring you today, okay? Faith was contained in your motive for doing what you're doing. And then it could also be, it could also be our faith is based on I have need, I have wants. We live in a, a world where money drives things. I'm gonna need some extra. <laughs> I'm gonna need some more. I got debt and I need it to go away. And here's my prayer then. And Lord, you said in your word that if I would give, it would be given unto me, multiplied, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna act on your word. You said if I would give sparingly, I'd reap sparingly. But if I'd give bountifully, I'd reap bountifully. So according to your word, I'm going to give something that's bountiful to me. And I'm expecting it to come back to me. Now, some would say, oh, you're just giving to get and all this kind of stuff. Listen, I am acting on God's word. This pleases him. While some, some might judge the motive, I'm doing exactly what my good father in heaven revealed to me. He made it known. He's the one who revealed sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest, the multiplication of what we do coming back to us. He told us how this works so that what, what? We could just not use it? No, we're supposed to use it. And it pleases him because now I'm doing what I'm doing by faith. I come in line with a more excellent gift, a more excellent sacrifice when I'm taking God at his word and doing things for the reason, the reason that he gave me. Hallelujah. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says that, says that we, should, we should do as we purpose in our heart. In other words, there, there should be, a, this is a heart level action. Faith is of the heart. My giving is a heart level thing. It's in me deep. I'm doing it by faith. Then it produces the very things that God intended for it to produce. Now, it's not uncommon that you hear this kind of statement in church where someone will say, well, you know, you can't outgive God. All right? I actually believe that statement is true, but I do recognize it is possible to outgive your own faith. That's why we're not, I mean, if you just took that statement by itself, you can't outgive God, well, then everybody always ought to empty out their everything and give it all because God's going to give you way more. Yeah, but is he leading you to do it? Or are you doing that by faith? 
Or if you do start doing that, is it going to be a fear-based gift? Because you're not sure what's going to happen tomorrow. So I need to recognize where I am, what I can believe, and what I do believe about what God has said. And then I act accordingly, then it's righteous. Then there's nothing wrong with it. It might be more or less than someone else. That's not the issue. I'm pleasing God by doing what I do by faith. What's my faith based on? Talk to me now. No, what's my faith based on? Yeah, the revealed word of God. What is it, how do I love? I know he loves me. I'm, I'm responding to him. I'm not doing this on my own, apart from God. He's way out there, and I'm trying to do something right. No, I'm in a relationship with him. He communicates with me through his written word and by his spirit, and when I know what to do, I act on that. Why do you come to church? God, and then you can feel, I'm not, I, want to, I don't want to dig deep into that subject. And then fill in the blank. Why do you give? God, God, God said, God promised, God revealed, God moved me. Amen. Why do you serve? God, well, they just asked me and they keep, keep bugging me about serving. No. Nope. <laughs> If that happened, fine. You got to get to a God point in everything so that we can do what we do by faith. Amen. Praise God. He's helping us, isn't he? There's times when we stretch our faith, no doubt. There's times when it's, uh, he'll lead us to do something that we hadn't done before. With every direction, with every commandment comes the faith to obey it. So if ever the Lord is talking to us and leading us to do something, maybe out of the norm, or beyond average, and he's stretching us, if he's talking to us about doing it, then we have the faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by his word. I just got the ability to do what he told me to do by faith. Come on, amen. That's why he can take anyone from where they are yeah. anywhere very quickly because faith is contained in the commandment. That's good. Amen, amen, amen. Well, God is good. Are you glad you came, glad you came to church today? Yes. Hallelujah. Praise God. What sense does that make? Man, you're glad you came to church to hear someone talk to you about giving your stuff away. (laughs) We're either crazy or God's really working in us. (laughs) And I tell you, I tell you the way, I mean, this is something that I do. I'm not talking to you about anything that I wouldn't be involved with. And I believe these things as a personal directive for my life. And, uh, And so you let the Lord reveal these things to you as well. Amen, amen. And you'll be happy and you'll be blessed as you do. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thanks for joining us for the message today. I trust it has been a blessing and a help to your life. You know, the most important thing we could ever do is to receive salvation, to receive eternal life. You know, Jesus died for our sins. He paid the price and it's available to every single one of us. Would you like to pray today? Say it from your heart. Say it out loud. Dear God in heaven, I believe in you. I repent of my sins. I believe that Jesus died for me on the cross. He suffered in my place. He died so I could live. He was raised from the dead and he's alive today. I receive him now as my savior. I confess Jesus is Lord. 
Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer with me today, congratulations, you're in, you're saved, you're right with God. I would love to hear from you so we can send you some additional material to help you in your walk and relationship with God. Please text the word SAVED to 208-314-2660. Also, I'd like to invite you to join us for a live service this coming Sunday, and you are more than welcome to be here. Visit our website at lcboise.com for all of the current service times. Thanks again for joining us today. God bless you.